All right, so last night's episode of Heat Check, uh, the early recording of it, or at least the first few minutes, got cut off because Peyton messed up the uh, equipment. So this is the intro to the Heat Check Thursday night Sweet 16 reactional podcast. And we are about to have a discussion about Gonzaga and the rest of the podcast. Enjoy. All right. There we are. It only (laughs) took us 10 minutes. What happened is that the cord for the microphone got hooked in the wheel of my chair, and I scooted. And that was not something that my microphone liked very much. But we are back. Gabe, uh, let's get the muscles right, back on track. We're going to restart this by by beginning the fraud Zaga train. You'll have fun editing the pod after this. The last time that Gonzaga beat better than a four seed in the NCAA tournament was 2016. The last... Two times, they've only made the Final Four two times, they've beaten a Final Four team and gone to the National Championship because every time they've gone to the Final Four, they've gone to the National Championship. They beat a 7-seed in South Carolina and 11-seed in UCLA. Their two Elite Eight wins to get there were against 11-seed Xavier and 6-seed USC. And in their 15 NCAA tournament wins since 2017, that is what everyone touts as, oh, you can't, Gonzaga's not a fraud, they win all these tournament games. They've beat a 16, an 8, a 4, an 11, a 7, a 13, a 5, a 16, a 9, a 4, a 16, an 8, a 5, a 6, and 11. So basically, what we have learned from this is that when you gift wrap Gonzaga a one seed for going 3-2 and two in their non-conference play against power six opponents mm-hmm. and beating up on the WCC in a lot of games in which they go in with 0% chance of losing. Sure. And... You, I will allow you to use the analogy that you gave okay. earlier because it was a poignant one. But it doesn't prepare this team very well to play in the NCAA tournament. And I think that we said this last year when they got drubbed in the national championship. Sure. That them stringing together six straight wins and the last four of which having to be largely against quality opponents is something that is an issue for them. Mm-hmm. I keep going back to last year. And the fact that there were really only two teams that could win the national championship, barring some weird COVID thing happening. And luckily, nothing weird happened with COVID in the NCAA tournament. We got Baylor versus Gonzaga. Don't tell that to VCU. Don't. We didn't get anything significant. <laughs> Sorry, Bones Highland. Uh, we didn't get anything significant altering the NCAA tournament last year. But we end up with Gonzaga and Baylor. Baylor beats the brakes off of them. This Gonzaga team doesn't even get out of the Sweet 16. They don't give us the Gonzaga-Duke matchup that we kind of wanted to see. And overall, I feel like it just feels like a failure. And I, I know a lot of people have said that they don't know what kind of talent Gonzaga is going to pr- keep bringing in. Given, fire Mark Few. Given that Tommy Lloyd is gone. Fire Mark Few. I wouldn't fire Mark Few. Hot seat? <laughs> hot seat. They have said he's on the hot I, seat. I will say the man's turning. He's in his 60s or about to turn 60. He's getting DUIs. And, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> He's <laughs> telling the cop he's going to call his lawyer and and refusing. I would just say. I'm glad this when, happened. When is Gonzaga ever winning a national title if it didn't happen one of these last two years? I don't know. Also, in a wild stream, I think I'm going to turn off the fan. Fair point. Gabe is up. Make sure to slide the other one down as well. We're off to a rousing start. You what a night. What a night. We love college basketball. We we, here's the analogy, okay? Picture a Rocky movie. You get the training montage. Rocky is just yoked up. He's ready to kick some Russian ass. Go get Ivan Drago. 
So what Gonzaga does is they do the training montage in their non-conference schedule. This is November and December. This is October yeah. when they're doing summer weights, they get fall y- weights. They get yoked up. And then they proceed to the two months prior to the fight, just eat 30 donuts a day and get all fluffy and pudgy again, and they're shot by the tournament. And this has to be the signal to Gonzaga, who at no juncture here has anything to lose, nothing to lose monetarily by leaving the WCC for a bigger, better conference, even if it's just the American. This has to be the signal to them that that has to happen. They need to go to le- they need to go to George Klyovkov and beg him to allow allow them to be basketball only members of the Pac-12. At at the end of the day, if you go to seven straight Sweet 16s without raising one national title <laughs> and only two Final Fours, th- there is a massive problem. Because the reason they're getting the Sweet 16s, Gabe, as you kind of put earlier, is they're getting high seeds and beating the teams that they should. Yeah. They have three of their 15 wins since 2017 are against 16 seeds. So that's 20% of their NCAA tournament wins. Uh, I don't know what you want from me. Three of the other ones are against... 11s or 13 seeds. So so that's 40% of their NCAA tournament wins in the last five years, which everyone touts. Everyone, I keep hearing it. Seth Davis, you, you keep banging the Mark Few drum all over Twitter and keep saying, you just got to give Mark Few credit. He's sweet 16 after sweet 16, sweet 16 after sweet 16. Not all sweet 16s are made equal. No. And when you're a one seed every single year because we give people the benefit of the doubt, and if we had put this Gonzaga resume on a team sheet team sheets didn't exist 10 years ago but if we put it on a team sheet 10 years ago the committee i think is is spitting it out and going all right you went three and two against power conference opponents you rolled through your league your league's decent it's the best it's ever gonna gonna be we're gonna give you like a three seed a four seed and you're gonna have to play a 13 and then you're gonna have to play a five well now okay and that's the other thing is the wcc was as good as it's going to be this year yeah, this Golden was the peak. Is now, this was the is peak. now gone. He's at Florida. Mark Pope, I can't imagine, will be at BYU that much longer. Hell, the Kentucky job might come open in the next three or four years. In which case, I think he would be a prime candidate for it, as he is a Kentucky guy. Depending on how he performs at BYU. Herb Sendak isn't going to be the well, long-term... Well, BYU's leaving the conference anyways. Well, also true. At fair point. Herb Sendak is not going to be the long-term answer in building a powerhouse at Santa Clara. So, I mean, at the end of the day, how long is Randy Bennett going to coach for? He's not as old as you would think. Or how long? As how much I, longer look, is he going I, to stay at St. Mary's? There, if there's a legitimate opening for him... Randy Bennett is 59 years old. That's shocking. He's the same age as Mark Few, and he's the same age as Bill Self. That's shocking. Did you see how younger depressed... Than, younger than Jay Wright. Did you see how depressed Mark Few looked as Eric Dude, Musselman refused to shake his hand? exasperated. And goes... I, I said this to you before the show. I didn't think that Eric Musselman was going to rip his shirt off. I thought he was going to rip his shirt in half after that game. Can we play the message to the haters? I mean, it was a champion moment. A message to the haters, you know, from Eric Musselman, Eric Musselman. I'm I'm finding the audio, and 
oh, I went to I went to the heat check Twitter feed, not our not our actual tweets. Uh, here we go. We've never done this before. We'll this see if is, this works. Thank you to everyone that said we had no chance. What, what screen? I I mean, I, most of these teams eat meals, like team meals at hotels in conference rooms. Okay. So they would just, like a ballroom, and they just put it on put it on the screen. Eric, I got to think Eric Musselman was, was literally just refreshing the Seth Davis Twitter feed. Because Seth Davis is just like, Gonzaga this, Gonzaga that. Second weekend once again. Second weekend once again. So, Arkansas, phenomenal stuff. I mean, but to be fair, we outlined... What we thought Arkansas had to do to win this game. They didn't do it. J.D. Note put up 30 shots, practically. 29 shots. Only nine of them went in. He was 2 of 12 from 3. Jalen Williams was tremendous. Defensively, did what he needed to do offensively. Was gutty, tough. Got an excellent performance from Wade, who is probably this team's third best wing. Between he, Tony, and Amudi... He's probably number three, right? Yeah, probably. He's a pretty solid third wing of theirs, yeah. I mean... But he goes off. He has a very good game. Finishes the game off with a huge block. Again, like, I I was just... I was looking at it, and it's like, huh, this could happen. Well, Gonzaga's played with their food the entire tournament. But they've when, been they've played with their food the entire last three weeks right. of the regular season and and conference play. But when you look at what this game was on paper, you figured it would be in that class where Gonzaga could hit the gas and pull away. And I will say that Chet Holmgren fouled out of this game pretty egregiously. It was a really bad call on his fifth foul. He fouled out pretty early. That dictated. But this was the point that I made all year long. And yes, Andrew Nemhard made an incredible jackknifing floater three from the break at the end of the game. But but aside from that, went one of ten. Push comes to shove. Who is the guard on this Gonzaga team that can take over and see a game out and run the offense when it gets tough? And I was always saying, not that I, I, I don't think, I don't think you'll push back on this. I we'll think see. I think I pretty consistently was giving props to Andrew Nemhard when he played well. I wasn't championing him as something that I didn't think that he was. I wasn't saying he's the best guard in the country, like I've seen some national media people say. I've I've pretty pretty consistently I think through the good and the bad said that in a year of bad point guard play, I think Colin Gillespie is the most consistently good guard in, in America, mm-hmm. and I still think even that could be exploited. But when you look down the roster of point guards that remain in this tournament, point guards just in general in the country, like guys that have been sent home already and the guys that we're left with, Kirk Creasa goes home tonight. He's jacking up threes. <laughs> Andrew Nemhard goes home tonight. He was one of 10 before that random three that fell at the end of the game. Remy Martin has become a different guy. Charlie Moore has really rounded into form and figured things out. Tyrese Hunter is unpolished in terms of a freshman, but he's talented. And you keep going. I I mean, the most impressive point guard to me in the West Regional tonight was Jeremy Roach. And I've said a lot of bad things about Jeremy Roach, and I've said a lot of bad things about Duke guards, and I will say that 
at least tonight and at least on Sunday, I have been wrong. Jeremy Roach has been phenomenal. I don't know if I would bet on that to continue. Uh, I don't know if I would bet on every single time that he jump stops, pivots, and fades away for a mid-range jumper, it's going to fall. But the last couple weeks, that's what, or the last week, that is what has happened so far. So in a year of bad guard play, Andrew Nemhard chose a bad night to have to play really poorly. So, bottom line, Gonzaga failed. Yeah. You're celebrating Gonzaga's failure a lot more than I, but I can objectively look at it and say, this is a failure for Gonzaga. And I think Mark Few's face, and I encourage everybody to go back and watch the last, you know, 10 minutes of the telecast. His face says it all. And I think he knows. And I think he knows it's A, not only that this team failed, but without Tommy Lloyd on his staff, who was the primary recruiter for Chet Holmgren, who was his lead recruiter, it's going to be a lot harder to get this kind of talent there. Not impossible. I'm not even saying that they can't do it. It'll just be different. And and Solis and, and Hickman will probably be back next year and probably be a lot better. But this is, as weird as it may sound to hear, this is concerning for Gonzaga, much more so than even last year. Trying to see if Gonzaga has, they don't have anyone. So everyone in the top 10 of the ESPN 2020 class, 2022 class is, has been signed. None of which are going to Gonzaga. I'm excited for Nick Smith, by the way. At Arkansas? Yes. And Jordan Walsh? Yes. I'm excited for National Gatorade Player of the Year, Grady Dick. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm continuing to scroll. Gonzaga does not have anyone currently committed to them. And, and we know they'll be active in the portal. Yes. And they'll probably go and get like... I don't even want to speculate on names. They will get someone of note in the portal. But the NCAA tournament gets harder. It doesn't change how hard it is for you to go and win the WCC on a night-to-night basis. But not having Suggs, not having Chet, not having Corey Kispert, like those guys, uh, not having the elite lottery-level guys. We see it at Kentucky when it has happened, and we've seen it at Kansas as the Adidas investigation has really hampered their recruiting and, and saw last year before the fully evolved formed of Ochai Baji and Christian Brown came to play. Mm-hmm. They lost by 32 to USC, and they got completely out, out-athleted in that game and, and just outclassed in general. So I don't want to wave the white flag on the the Mark Few era at Gonzaga, I would just say that not capitalizing on these last two years feels extremely, extremely disappointing for anyone in Spokane. Yeah, it has to be. And like I said, I think they can fix a lot of this by just going to a league where you're going to get tested throughout the regular season. Just, just like... Would the Big 12 take them? No. I don't think so. The Big 12 is going to be back to 12 teams... Uh, yeah, I think they're fine with the Big Ten. The, I mean, the Big Twelve. The Big Twelve spin zone for tonight is that I know Texas Tech lost to Duke, but the Big Twelve went one and one tonight because Houston won, and that's a member. That is spin zone. That is a member of the Big Twelve. Eventually, um, and dude, Houston's gonna be better next year than they are this year. I mean, one would think we'll see 
where guys decide to to, to go. And I such. mean, like the better they do, the more likely they are to leave or guys to to leave the program. I'll say this. Early, 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 just looking at those recruiting rankings, early national champion pick from Peyton next year, Baylor. They should be really good. With Langston Love and then getting Keontae George in on top of him, if Langston Love decides to stay, I think both front court guys are going to go. I think Brown going to jump. I think Sohan's going to jump as well. But... We don't need to worry about next year's yeah. national championship when uh, we're just, two uh, weeks away from crowning our own. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, um, let's, let's let's get Michigan Villanova out of the way real quick. No, no, let's save it. I, I have very little thoughts on that game. Exactly, so let's do it. Even your Villanova is a wagon. Inevitable. And we're heading towards Villanova all, just absolutely throttling Kansas. No, 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 no. We're heading toward – no, no, because the 2018 – the 2018 team, like 2018 Villanova was an absolute unit. This team is not an absolute unit, but it's a well-oiled machine. What we're heading toward is 2016 Nova against Kansas in a game where a very fun Kansas team that had legitimate national championship expectations gets upset in heartbreaking fashion and probably leads multiple moments in the game and and you you go down the last last five minutes thinking you're gonna go to the final four in this case it would be you're thinking you're gonna go to the national championship and then something heartbreaking will happen um i don't even know if that'll uh, villanova versus houston will be a fascinating matchup on saturday yes it will and i think houston will win but again beside the point um let's, ta- it, let's talk about arizona let's talk about arizona so the top two seeds in the tournament were beaten tonight we said going into it, hey, you know, this is one where we think the matchups say that Houston's got more than a shot. And I, that's, I, that's how it played out. Arizona having to play in a half-court setting is not a sharp object to be afraid of. But on top of that, when Benedict Matherin shoots 3-for-14 or whatever, he ended up shooting and only makes one, one field goal in the first half, Arizona does not really give themselves much of a legitimate chance to win. They got it to three, the beginning of the second half, and I'm like, here they come. But ultimately, and listen, I do not want to hear any of the takes, and you may have this take, that, hey, the Pac-12 didn't push them hard enough all year, they didn't get in enough close game, whatever. I don't care. That's not what this was. This was Houston being perfectly designed to take advantage of their weaknesses, being a great half-court defense, and being a team that was going to be very capable of preventing them from running. And it was just a really bad matchup for Arizona. And without Kirk Reese healthy, they were ill-equipped to take it on, especially when the guy who solves all their problems, Benedict Matherin, has a rare off night. It was the worst possible outcome for U of A in this. And to be I fair, think it was a I didn't bit think both. Houston would get here. I think it was a little bit of both. Houston... You snuck thought they under, at least well, the UAB. They snuck. They played horribly the last month of the season. Snuck underneath my nose in the conference tournament because who watched the American Conference tournament? Uh, Sunday afternoon, until, I did say. I did say, the hey, championship game against Memphis, and they won that. I'm like, whatever. Sunday afternoon. Sunday afternoon. We're sitting in Cronkite room 320, and we're watching Iowa Purdue, and I'm, I'm looking at the. I said to you. Houston is thumping Memphis right now. And then we both discounted it, and I allowed you to talk me into UAB beating beating Houston, and that happened. I think that it is a 
I don't think this is entirely just... I don't think you can just say, to, if you're an Arizona fan, this is about the matchups. Why? Because I think this is a combination of bad matchup and team that was not necessarily mentally, emotionally ready to to meet the demands of an NCAA tournament. Because we saw this with Illinois last year, and I know that this is one round later, but Illinois got a well, well underseeded Loyola Chicago team as a, I think they were an eight seed in the second round. And Cam Crutwig put Kofi Coburn in a blender. And Illinois, who had not made the NCAA tournament the year before, fell apart and they never really fought back. This Arizona team, with all of its arrogance, cockiness, and and grand allure to it, goes and they, they think that they get past their scare and they get past TCU. And I said, as soon as that happened, I was like, dude, Houston is better at everything that TCU does. Like, everything TCU does well, Houston does better. And that was certainly the case, and that's why I will admit that this was a, a very poor matchup for them. Houston as a five seed was probably underseeded given what Ken Palm and Torvik think. And they just didn't have any quad one wins. So the committee, I guess, couldn't justify putting them anything higher than a five. But at the end of the day, I think that the emotional immaturity of this Arizona team kind of shows at times. And the fact that they had never made the tournament before, aside from Umar riding the bench for Gonzaga... Was I, I it was just some? It, it's not the biggest thing, but I think it's a combining of factors. I think you're missing a key point here, which is actually the team for the most part in their first two games played pretty well. Of course, you know you're without Kirk Creesa, and then Azulis Tabellis disappeared the entire tournament. He was god awful. He was zero for eight tonight in the TCU game, and he was a non-factor in this game. And you could argue that he had been their second best player throughout the year. I mean, I think it's a 75-25 argument between him and Coloco. But this is a guy who averaged 14 points a game for this team throughout the year, and what did he score in the tournament? Well, he finished the year with four of his last six games going single-digit scoring, and his last two he went, he was a combined two for 15 from the floor. Yeah, and, and that's, I think, in large part and what he actually wasn't sunk Arizona. Yeah, yeah like Tabellus... I think you point to Tabellus more than you fight than you point to Matherin because Tabellus, there's no explanation for why he couldn't match up with the front court of Houston. I know, I know, Josh Carlton infuriates our boy Scott, but he's not anything that's undeniably unbeatable. And like, given though he has now shut down several very highly regarded big man in yeah. this tournament. And I think that the interesting thing as they play Villanova on Saturday is that there's not a typical down low threat necessarily. And like if Villanova wants to play five out and put Dixon on the perimeter, they could post him up, but they're not going to do that. They could kind of stretch him out and, and see what happens. But I mean, not a great night for Matherin. Creesa, clearly the ankle for Kerr is still an issue, and he was grimacing like at times. So I'm not going to take the full victory lap, but I it's not a shock. It's not a shock that the that they lose and he goes one of seven from three, and three of those threes were in the last three minutes chucking shots up with like 25 seconds on the shot clock. Yep. And I know that they were down, but there was one where there was a manageable score. I think they were down either six or eight, and he mm-hmm. took one with like 22 on the shot clock from way outside. You know who's good? 
Dalen Terry. He was still solid tonight. Yeah, he's solid every night. Just Kyler Edwards. Kyler Edwards was solid tonight. You Kyler need to Edwards issue an was apology. Insane. He made four threes in the second half. I've never said a bad thing about Kyler Edwards. What are you talking about? Maybe not publicly, but to me, you have said plenty. I think he he hit a different gear though. Once and he needed to. He needed to become the guy once Mark and Sasser went down. He was supposed to be the guy, you know, the last year or two. And he evolved into that. He's his team's leader on a, a relatively young team full of transfers and younger players. He needed to become the leader, and he, he has. He hit clutch shot after clutch shot for this team in the second half. Like I said, he made four threes in the second half of this game. And in a lot of respects, every time Arizona got close, he beat them off with a stick from the three-point line. He's averaging nearly 20 points a game in the tournament. And if He's you want to argue to this point for a most important player in the tournament, it might be him. Every time he's had a big three-point shot, it feels like it's... Significant. It's bu- it's a it's a bucket. No like blouses what. in yeah. your eye hole. And at this point, Kelvin Sampson is achieving on the absolute highest level and should be regarded in the same... Should absolutely be regarded in the same breath as Mark Few at the moment. Oh, oh. he's about to reach this. So if they win and get to the final, they four, would have equal final fours. Yep. Let me pull up the numbers for total Th- wins. This year's coaching feat that Samson would have, they get to the final four. Last year's was kind of fraudulent, but this one is. Oh, like last year's was Mickey Mouse. This year's is very, it cancels very it out legit. Because it's like maybe it's- the most impressive <laughs> coaching feat in recent memory. Yeah, and if you go if you go four, one, two, and all all three of those teams are uh, Ken Palm top twenty teams in the country, like that's a very legit legit run. Kelvin Sampson for his lifetime is six hundred and twenty three and two ninety six. That is a sixty seven percent winning percentage. Mark Few is six fifty eight and one twenty eight, eighty three percent winning percentage. So. The total wins is relatively close. Uh, Samson also had a, a period of time where he was off. He, and he also got fired from Indiana for doing something that is no longer illegal. So everyone who wants to say, and, uh, and the they, in a world of, in, in a world of, of lack of nuance, we have John Rothstein tweeting Kelvin Samson, Kelvin Samson, College basketball's best coach. Wrong. At the moment, it might not be. And at the other end, let's have, let's, let's, we need to have some perspective. He tweets that after every game. It's just a little ridiculous. It's Rothstein. That's at one end. And then on the other end, we have people going, cheater, cheater. Look at what he did at Indiana. Who's doing that? Some Illinois people I saw on, on Twitter. Why are Illinois people doing that? Because they're, I guess they got beat by dude, Indiana, but like, but but like the the fact of the matter is, he is an incredible coach, and what he has done at Houston, turning it from, we know what it was in the '80s, but what it was in the '90s and the 2000s was very very bad, and what he's gotten into at this point, and, and what is it was in the impressive. '80s is because they had two NBA Hall of Famers on their team. They had two. I was discussing this with Carson Breber the other week or earlier this week. 
It's one Thinking of the two about the five slamma jamma teams because we were talking on we were talking on Monday, and I said it's wild that Illinois was the first single digit seed that Houston had beaten in the tournament since 1984. So since five slamma jamma, that was the stat as they beat Illinois on Sunday. And Carson said, if you look back on it, like the fact that they had a legitimate top 15 player of all time and a legitimate top 50 player of all time, like you don't have that on college basketball teams. It's literally happened twice ever. It's that team and Worthy and Jordan. That's it. Yeah. It's incredible. I mean, are we forgetting anyone? That I'm going to check. So, like... The uh, only other even, like, contender for it is at Towns Booker, and that would require them to both go way off the rest of their NBA careers. And, like, I think both guys are, because of how easy it is to get into the NBA Hall of Fame, or the Basketball Hall of Fame, excuse me. There should be an NBA Hall of Fame. It should be a separate thing. That's my argument. But... I, I would imagine both guys make it to the hall. That said, like, yeah, uh, let's not get too far off into the weeds on this, but yeah, the Faisalama Jamma team is unthinkable. And the fact that they didn't win, like, three national championships having those guys for multiple years, insane. But, hey, Jim Valvano needed somebody to hug. Yeah, and I, I, I hate to hit the punching bag. Do it. Seth Davis tweeted, all props to Houston, but it's a shame Arizona had to play in this tournament with a clearly hobbled Kirk Risa. I'm not going to argue with that fact. That's true. The second sentence, he was one for 17 in the two games he played, and every shot was a three. Are we Are we going to— Are we acting like he wouldn't have had every uh, shot be a three regardless? Yes. Let me, let me pull up the stats, because when I wrote the Heat Check Herald on February 21st, the hoop math data said— I think I was the one who found like the inkling of yes. the statistic. And yeah. I went and figured it, you you gave it to me like weeks before and I went and gave the updated number. As of February twenty first twenty first, excuse me, uh Kerr Creasa was shooting five point four percent of his shots at the rim. And he's not shooting a lot of mid range jumpers. And as your primary ball handler, that's not a great thing. Exactly. So makes it kind of hard. Look at look at the teams that are left in the tournament. Right? So you've got, as we go down the list, J.D. Note can get past you and get a bucket on his own, right? You've got... Well, he can get nine buckets from 30 shots. Yes, nine buckets on 30 shots. Well, if he gets to the rim instead of... I I don't know how that somehow... The more he shoots, regardless of the efficiency, it seems to make Arkansas better. It doesn't make any sense. Well, they just go play... Charge ball. They just go play volleyball on the the offensive glass. Um, You've got Jay Nivey who can get downhill. Mm-hmm. You've got Doug Eater, who can get downhill. Doug. Uh, you've got uh, you've got Caleb Love and R.J. Davis, who can get around people and score at the bucket. Uh, you've got Remy Martin, who has brought a new dimension to Kansas offense and can get around people and get to the bucket. Uh, Jared Bynum can do that to a certain extent. Al Durham can do that to a certain extent. Uh, Chuck Moore and Isaiah Wong can certainly do that to an extent. Benedict Mathern can do that for Arizona, but Kerr doesn't. Justin Kyer really doesn't. Um and Dale and Terry, no Hello, one is no one really scared. No one's really scared enough of the jumper, right? To uh, really have it break down the defense. So I, I, I understand people being upset that we didn't get to see Arizona with healthy Kirk Risa. Like I'm, it does. I don't think that. By the way, I don't think that changes whether they win the title or not. Damn thing in this game. If Tabellus is himself, that changes things. Yeah, but he was so. The, again, like, this was always going to be a precarious matchup for Arizona, and individuals were going to have to play well, and none of that happened. Yeah. 
none of their best players really showed up in a big way. And that they were always going to get beat if that happened. I think the telling quote was Kelvin Sampson saying that he thought the the Pac-12. You, you don't have to. This is not a, necessarily a comment about whether the Pac-12 is a good basketball league or not. But he said that he didn't think the Pac-12 guarded Arizona correctly all year, and they just allowed them to be comfortable. And he also said Houston wasn't like great tonight. He said he didn't even think that they were really good. He thought that they were just them. They were just themselves. And the fact that Houston just being themselves could comfortably beat Arizona is uh, telling about the matchup. That is what is telling about the matchup. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so all credit in the world to Houston. Still tipping. Also, this being a home game, I didn't want to get oh, it. It was a big deal. It was a big deal. It made a big deal. But also, like, Arizona fans, be better. Yeah. San Antonio, San Antonio is not that far. It's the best team you've had in half a decade. Yeah, it's the best team they've had since, what, 20... I mean, best team they've had since the eight. Team. But and eight this and team is better than that team. By a lot. And much more memorable because they had no expectations. Where are you? You claim to be a fringe blue blood. Yeah, I'm looking back. That Arizona team in 18 was not like anything special. The and they 16, got beat in the first round by Buffalo. Uh, <laughs> or the second yeah, round. Yeah, no, it was first round. First round. It was first round. They were two seed then. Arizona's... This is their best team since no, 2015. They were... They were they were a four. They were a four. They were four, and Buffalo was 13. They, and they fell lost. late in the season. Yes. Yeah. And they faded. But this is Arizona's best team since then. It's they're really in comparison. It's way better than that, though. The 2015 team, though. Yeah. Because both both are currently, well, Arizona wound up fourth in Ken Palm. Right now, they're, they're fourth in Ken Palm. They will probably get passed by Kansas tomorrow night um, as the Jayhawks move up the rankings. But, uh, it's a disappointment. The fact that it's not even an Elite Eight sucks, but I would say you you did get like there is a gripe to be had of and this happens to this happens to the big programs every once in a while. It's for some reason it doesn't happen to Gonzaga. Um but it it seems like there have been moments where you get a one or a two seed and then you run into the plucky underseated like Ken Palm darling that's from the 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 Missouri Valley or the American and you get upset. It happens with Loyola, it happens with Wichita State, it happens with Houston. It won't happen with Houston once they're finally a Big 12 team. The funny thing is, you could put Houston with their resume and I know that their wins would be different cuz the conference is better as a whole. Mm-hmm. If you put Houston with their resume and in metrics and all that in the Big 12 right now, they get a one seed. Legitimately they get a one seed. So tonight was not really a huge upset. Interesting take. I think it's the truth. I mean... They will be favored against Nova despite being a five. I think so. I mean, they're playing better than anybody. They just are. They are playing better than any other team. Mm -hmm. And that includes Villanova, who's playing really well right now. Like, these are probably the two best-playing teams in terms of the three games they've played so far in the tournament. And I don't think that there's anything that can be done by anybody else tomorrow that would match that, Mark. Like these two teams have been extremely good. Yeah, I think that's I think that's safe to say. I think that's safe to say because so, Nova Nova had And at this stage, honestly, I would bet that the national champion is the winner of that game. I wouldn't. I'm at that point. I wouldn't, but I would bet that the national champion is coming out of uh 
That side of the that side of the bracket. bracket. Cuz I think yeah. it's I think it's the winner of Houston Nova versus Kansas in the final four um is probably winning the national title. But here's the thing. So this this brings us to the Duke game and it it brings us to Arizona being gone, Gonzaga being gone, Baylor being gone. All three one seeds aside from Kansas in the Midwest, which we said right when the bracket was released, chaotic we, stuff was it was just weakest, a slow burn. Weak, and it was the weakest region. Well, no, well I, I do want to carry on in this point. We said there was going to be chaos. It was not a very chaotic first round. It's a slow burn, and here we are. But that's because the middle is before, bunched before the elite eight, and we've got one one seed left. They could get beat tomorrow. They could. Yes, they could. That's and a twenty five percent chance. Crazy place to be with the last eight teams standing. And none of them being one seeds, and we Duke. If Duke loses tonight, we're left with how many? Two seeds. Auburn's done. Nova. Kentucky's no, done. Nova would be there, and Nova would be the only one. Mm-hmm. So we are we are at a place where tomorrow we could of the top eight seeds only have two left. But I would say that's not necessarily indicative of, like, do we still have top eight teams but in the that's country? That's crazy, though. We know that one seed's reached the Final Four. That yeah, happened. here's the stat. Since the NCAA tournament began seeding the field in 1979, this is by David Teal, only three Final Fours have not included a number one seed. 1980, 2006, and 2011. 2011 is interesting because in that year, Kansas was a number one seed. The bracket opened up. They got VCU in the Elite Eight and Shaka shocked the world. Shocked the world, and he has won one NCAA tournament game since, and lost six straight. And lost six Which straight. Which is just in the first insane. Round. How do you lost do that? six straight in the first? How round. does that happen? But if we're gonna get a one seed in the Final Four, and I think we will, it's gonna have to be Kansas. Otherwise, we're having a fourth year of that, and and that would be kind of kind of interesting. It doesn't mean, though, to get back to the point I was just about to make, is it does not mean that we're not that if if we're down to if Kansas somehow loses and we're down to just Nova as a two, it doesn't mean that we don't have teams that are can make a claim as being top ten teams in the country. Like we have not had we have not had irreparable chaos. We have Houston who. By all the metrics, is a top five team. We have UCLA, who was underseeded as a four, uh, according to the metrics, not according to resume, because the Pac-12 sucked. Duke, who's a top ten team. Come on, Duke. Nova, who's on the precipice of being a top ten team, and then Purdue, which is uh, very close to being a top ten team as well, and clearly the best offense in the country. So, like, we still have great teams left, and I think we still have great potential. And we've gotten all this chaos tonight, specifically where two one seeds lose, but we could still wind up with a final four of Duke, UCLA, yeah. Kansas, and uh, Nova. And yeah. if that happens, it's very blue bloody. I mean, I just love though the overwhelming, just the way the tidal wave of confidence that Houston's playing with. Like those guys don't care right now. It's like we're gonna go out, we're gonna dominate you, we're gonna hurt you. We're going to make you want to quit, and we're going to keep coming and keep coming and keep coming coming until you fold and bend to our will. And that is a pretty fun thing to watch right now, even if it blows up my bracket. I would hope that—I mean, my bracket's already blown up. As as it currently st- sits, uh, I only have one game that does not involve Kansas that I can correctly pre- predict, and it's North Carolina winning tomorrow night. I got 11— of my Sweet 16 teams 
to the Sweet 16, and I'm now without a Final Four team. <laughs> Devastating. Wonderful. You watched all this college basketball for this. For nothing. Uh, Jack Loader, I, Jack, Jack Loader has, is leading the heat check bracket challenge. And I said to Jack, I am claiming victory for him winning the bracket challenge because you made I've imparted his, yeah. yeah, his college basketball knowledge is, is essentially just run off of my brain drainage. So, so. <laughs> you fade Greg and he fades you. Yeah. And it's a rushing nest, Russian nesting doll of fades. Yeah. We just keep opening it up. Fadeception. Should we preview tomorrow night or do you want to do more to Texas Tech? Okay. So, like, Coach K, I think Coach K is just, like, just watching his team at this point like a fan based on these post-game interviews. Dude, there was multiple times tonight where Duke did something and they cut to Coach K and he just looked like, like a happy grandpa on the sideline. Yeah. He was just like, like, let's go, guys. Come on, Duke. <laughs> let's go. And then they, they cut to the sideline, and his grandchildren are jumping up and down, and Mickey is just going, yeah, huddle. Um, I, I, I will say this. It is cute to watch him like be so like radiant and happy after these wins. No. No. No, I don't share that. But I have found a new addiction. Oh. <laughs> I am addicted. I'm addicted to the idea of watching Coach K's last game. Like <laughs> the ACC tournament, like well, okay, it it all started with the North Carolina game at Cameron Indoor, right? That gateway was drug. phenomenal. Yeah, gateway, that was legitimately a gateway drug. And then we get Duke, and I'm like, oh, Buddy Beheim could end him in the ACC tournament. Didn't happen. Uh, I was like, oh, Miami could Chuck Moore could end him. Well, Buddy the- Beheim couldn't because yeah, he, he was not out there. But play. Jimmy, but Jimmy, Jimmy was out there. Bim <laughs> and Bim Jaheim was out there. And uh, then we get to Miami. You guaranteed Miami was going to win. I was, I was like, I'm so in on this. And it was so tight, too. And it was close, down to the wire. It doesn't happen. ACC championship game rolls around. Uh, Logan Couture goes off. I'm watching it with Dom Stern. We are just loving it. So I'm a, I, that was like, get a, get a little bit more of it in my yeah, system. Sure. And then Michigan State on Sunday, Gabe Brown. I was going full Gabe Brown experience. Tonight, Texas Tech. I was riding and dying. I didn't have enough. There was not enough grabbing nuts and falling over. There was not enough charges taken, and there was not enough great defense played. They gave up 78. The only teams, uh, if you go through uh, Texas Tech's schedule, go look at the teams who put up 70 points on them this season. Can you? Do you want to? Do you want to know the the three? Gonzaga is one, right? Kansas Gonzaga is, gave up 69. They gave up 69. Damn, Gonzaga, nice, but close. Kansas is one. Yes, the overtime game. Yes. Did they score that threshold in regulation? Um, yes. In regulation, Kansas had 75 points. There was one of these games that they just got blown off the floor by someone. Was it Iowa State when they had like five players? They gave up 70 at Oklahoma. Okay. Uh, no, the Iowa State game was 51-47. It was a slugfest. Uh, they gave up 70 to Baylor okay. when they won. And they gave up... 70 to Kansas in the Big 12 championship game. So the only teams, uh, I still would say Oklahoma deserve to be in the NCAA tournament, but Baylor, Kansas, and Duke are the only teams that have put up 70, aside from Oklahoma, on Texas Tech all year. And Duke did it, I think, with relative ease tonight in comparison to what most people do. 
Fair. I mean, at this point, we're looking at a Duke offense that is the only offense that has put up 70-plus in three games. There are a couple teams that have the potential to do that, right? Purdue could do it tomorrow. North Carolina could do it tomorrow. If Purdue doesn't do it tomorrow, that's a horror. Uh, Kansas is still in that running as well. Uh, but it's a Duke offense that, I mean, it was strength on strength tonight. We knew that Duke was an elite offensive team with downside defensively, and they scored more points than Texas Tech. And uh, at this point, if Roach is going to be this guy, they have their point guard. And he got inserted into the starting lineup at the start of the tournament, and he's taken off, and it feels like he's hit every big shot that Duke has needed the last month. And that change, it, it's kind of like the Jones rise. On I can feel that, for sure. Sure. I would say, though, the thing that stood out to me about Texas Tech's offense against the Duke defense, which Mark Williams had some huge stops, was that as as the game progressed, there comes a point where Texas Tech can no longer hit jump shots. And they had to drive to the rim. And for the large point of the first half, they were getting downhill drives to the rim pretty easily. And Duke was doing a little bit of Ole defense. They started playing zone. They go to the the signature, we can't guard anybody in March, 2-3 zone, which Kay goes to with his teams that he doesn't believe in defensively. Did it in 2018. He's done it this year. He did it at times with the uh, Zion team. And because of it, they started launching threes. Eventually, Texas Tech was like, well, we can't just launch threes. And they went into Bryson Williams, and they had him driving at Mark Williams. And those were block shots. And over and over, those were block shots. So I... I'm interested to see what happens Saturday when they play Arkansas for Duke and do they zone an Arkansas team that sucks at shooting threes again and force Note to try to get to that middle spot? Well, do they force Amude to the middle spot? And then what does John Mark Shire, Williams do? Credit to John Shire for that adjustment. What an excellent Good job, I might John. just become a John Shire stan. Yeah. Like he might just become – I might start pounding the John Sire, Stire, Shire, excuse me, uh, might get on the wagon early. Every single Duke starter reached double figures. That's hard to do against Texas Tech. Yeah. That's hard to do in college basketball, period. Yeah. Um, I'm disappointed that we did not end up with uh, Paulo driving for a charge at the end of that game. I'm also surprised. Paulo was efficient tonight, by the way. Yeah, he was. 7 of 12, which is uncharacteristic for him. Above average. I'm looking at the Texas Tech box score. Bryson Williams was phenomenal. Arms was good, but he couldn't shoot from three. That's typical. I will say this. Kay just kind of whispered in one of the officials' ears at one point. Down one. Down one, and his team kind of ran away. He was away like, you're, you're going to let me get my 100th NCAA tournament coaching win, right? And the Which, guy laughed, and he was like, yeah, 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 for sure. I don't know if that will ever be touched. It's hard to foresee it being, being touched. 100 NCAA tournament wins is incredible. Yeah. Like, you only have the potential to win six a year. Like, if you won the national championship every year for a decade, you'd only be a little more than halfway there. Yeah. Yeah. Mark Fuse inching his way there, though. 
Yeah, slowly but surely. Slowly but surely, nobody's winning more Let, tournament let's games take than a Mark look. Few. Let's take a look. At how many Con- tournament games he's won? Continue your point while I figure this um, out. So as we continue to go down the, the line of Texas Tech scores, O'Banner was hot early. He got cold in the second half. Uh, the length, it but seemed we know, we know that Kevin O'Banner can't make it past the Sweet 16. Fair point. Those are the rules. Fair point. Um, First weekend player. I thought one of the... By the way, Mark Few only has 38 NCAA tournament wins. In how many years as a head coach? 20-some? Yeah. How many does Bill Self have? I think he has more than 40. Okay. I think. Um, and how many does Jay Wright have? Jay Wright has a couple early exits, though. He's also now got a couple... Natties. So he's got yeah. two two. Seasons. He's got at least 12. At least 12, yes. Plus the three this year. So Continue 15. with what you were saying. Um, I thought it was interesting that as the Texas Tech bench shrunk... They basically wound up uh, with McCuller healthy. Warren was the only guy off the bench because they kind of abandoned Santos Silva because he was getting absolutely cooked by Williams and, and Bancaro. He didn't have anyone he could guard on the defensive end. He didn't have anyone he could score on offensively. So so Santos Silva was pretty much a non-factor in this one, and they just rolled it out with O'Banner, Williams, and uh, Shannon from three through five. This says tournaments 51 and 21, but I also believe this includes conference tournaments. No, there's no way. That's what it did for a few on Wikipedia. Let me, let me. This is bad podcasting content. Yeah, I mean. All right. What, so are you... Arkansas Duke Saturday afternoon. I am pulling so hard for Saturday the stars. I need Duke Deuce Confidence to level. end Duke. Confidence level? Confidence level is minimal. Oh, really? But I need Duke Deuce to end Duke. I'm very worried that we're fast approaching. See, it's like this unstoppable force against an immovable object. On one end, I'm addicted to rooting against Coach K to have his career end. And having more of those games sure. is phenomenal. On the other end, the further he goes, the more I start to believe that we have the great referee conspiracy theory of 2022, <laughs> which is sending Coach K out as a title winner. And that freaks me out. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, so uh, and, and if the national championship game is either Kansas Duke and K could win his first and last titles against Duke, or against Kansas, excuse me. Or I have to root for Villanova to win another natty. That would be an absolute... Which, at that point, Jerry would be at three and, and then be he's in, in striking he's range in, of he's K. He's in unreal, unreal territory at that well, point. Well, no. If he gets to three this year with this team, he's back within reaching distance of Coach K. Yeah, and I, I think that maybe after the Sweet 16 has concluded... We can rank one through eight. So this will be on the agenda for tomorrow evening. Rank one through eight the most fun outcomes of national championships based on what it means for a coach's career. Because I think uh, the West Coast dream is dying. It's dead. The West Coast dream, well, the West Coast dream has completely died, but the West of the Mississippi dream hinges on one, two men, Kelvin Sampson and Bill Self. Yes. Um, I'm not forgetting anyone, am I? Who, who remains? 
I mean, Arkansas is west of the Mississippi, isn't it? No, it's not. Mississippi River runs up through Mississippi. Arkansas is to the west of Mississippi. Putting some research into this at the moment. And the Mississippi River runs up west of the Mississippi. Correct. You are correct. Runs up through St. Louis. Do not question me on Southern geography. I am. Three men. Three men. Three men save West Coast basketball. It's Eric Musselman, Bill Self, and Kelvin Sampson. West Coast basketball is in great hands. Yes. West Coast. Um, Uh, Man, I love I love Arkansas. They they kind of are disgusting to watch. I'll be honest. Oh yeah, but I like Arkansas Texas Tech would have been a deplorably bad game. Yes, yes. Now we have another uniting moment for the country. I I keep saying, in a year that's the spin in a time in which America doesn't agree on a lot of things. Communally, we need to come together on Saturday and root for Arkansas. Woo pig suey. Everyone needs to call the hogs. I was calling the hogs today in the sports bureau. My boy Nick Hodel answered the call. We were we were, <laughs> we were wooing them up and we were pig suing it, it all the way down. And I, we're going to be doing it again on Saturday. Yeah, I got my hat on. I got my hoodie on with the angry hog. Don't know if you can really see it. There you go. Mm-hmm. That's a mad boar. What yes. an incredible stat. Duke, first ever tournament win in the Pacific time zone. Yeah, they've been 0-6 prior. Coach K, in his old age, truly defying the odds, showing that he can travel and have a little <laughs> bit of success. Happy for him. Didn't even have to go to Chicago. Didn't even have to go to Chicago. Anything else you want to say? Do you want to last thoughts, comments, things that have changed for you about tomorrow's games? Oh, tomorrow's games. Uh, Which, tomorrow's the more entertaining day for heat check purposes. Well, tonight was as entertaining as possible for E-Check purposes. Besides... No. No, it's not. No, it's not. Stop. We have three of our teams are in action tomorrow. North Carolina for Riley. Kansas for you. Providence for me. No, 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 no. Then Miami's the nightcap. Yeah, but I'll be rooting for Iowa Money State. Mick. Gal- Gabe Kausher. The Peacocks. If the Peacocks and Jaden Ivey... I mean, that's just perfect. Doug... If if St. Peter's beats Purdue tomorrow, it's a bigger upset, I think, than Kentucky. It yeah, it is because the matchup part of this. Is well, it's not Purdue is physically unguardable, and then also at this point, St. Pete's is not surprising anybody. Like yeah, they could sneak up on Kentucky, St. Peter's mm-hmm. first round. At this point, they're not. It's the Sweet Sixteen. There's too much on the line. You're not going to take them lightly. I think to give people perspective. Need to point out that St. Peter's lost to St. John's by 21. They lost to Siena. They lost to Stony Brook by 11. They lost to uh, Iona by 9. They lost to Siena by 14. That's the team that beat the Kentucky Wildcats. That's the team that ended John Calipari's season. Uh, and that's that's the team that we will be rooting for tomorrow night. Although, I... I would love to see the John Wooden revenge game, Purdue versus UCLA. That would be a lot of fun on Sunday. Um, I wanted the Purdue-North Carolina rematch, this time with Leaky Black. If it Really, that game launched those two teams in opposite trajectories. Riley was just disgusted with North Carolina after that game. But then they, we realized they don't have Leaky. Important. Mm-hmm. And... 
the last thing I'll say on tomorrow before we head out for the night is we are two evening cap games away from uh, a down year for the ACC turning into three Elite Eight teams. Yep. We're that close. We could have three ACC we teams. We could have three in the ACC final teams four. in the Final Four. Uh, we could have that. Or would, we could have we could have the Blue Blood Final Four. And I would love to see I wouldn't love to see Duke there, but Duke, UCLA, Villanova, Kansas, I sign me up for that. How bad do we think the ratings would be for a final four that was Arkansas, Providence, Miami, and Purdue? Providence and Miami can't make the final four. Oh, true. Houston. Providence. Add Houston. Houston. My bad. My bad. My bad. So my Houston, bad. Providence, Arkansas, and Purdue. Yeah, that'd be a tough that'd be a tough sell. The uh, Turner Sports executives will be rooting hard for Coach K on Saturday. Yes, uh, we and, will not and also be. and also rooting very hard for Kansas yeah. tomorrow night and on Sunday. We they will definitely not be, will be. We will not that. be rooting hard for Coach K on Saturday night. Uh, we'll talk to you Saturday night. We'll talk, we'll talk to, to you, you tomorrow, tomorrow night. night. We'll talk to you Sunday night. The winning days of the NCAA tournament. We're on the back end now. We've officially played more rounds of games. Than are left. Last point. Sure. I couldn't ask for a better half birthday present than Kansas Providence. It's our half birthday. It's yours right now. Yeah. It's mine tomorrow. Cool. So March twenty fifth. Halfway. Halfway to, to twenty two. Taylor Swift song anymore. Halfway to twenty two for me, and I get Providence Kansas. I've been waiting legitimately. Since January for this. Since I realized that Providence was a decent team. <laughs> it's here. My shirt is not here. Very disappointed. But. Whoop.